You're listening to a classic business podcast as heard on Classic 1027. 1027. Well, the global markets uh, certainly started on the back foot today. Uh, we ended down 0.8% on the Aussie at 54,890 points in a big week for SA Inc. ahead of that mini-budget. Uh, the Rand uh, also slightly softer against the dollar, 16.24 we are currently. Uh, a bit of flight to safety, gold back above the key $1,900 an ounce mark, uh, $1,903 an ounce currently. And globally, my screen is just awash with red. From Shanghai this morning, which was down 8% in mainland China, over in France, they ended down 1.7%. German, Germany's DAX 3.5%, so almost another uh, full percent since uh, half past four. And uh, the U.S. markets have opened, uh, well, deep in the red. The Dow 2.2% down, the S&P 500 1.8% and the NASDAQ 1.4%. Obviously the US presidential election again looming large as markets move to price in the chance of a Democratic president and Congress. That would likely lead to more government spending and borrowing down the road. And in uh, commodity markets, we've also seen oil prices falling further today. Brent uh, crude currently at just over $40 a barrel. Famous brands results leave investors with indigestion. There's certainly more than enough to talk about with Stephen Schultz, CEO of Momentum Securities, and Makwe Masilela, CEO of Makwe Fund Managers. Stephen, how is that rotation trade going? Yeah, look, it, it's certainly going to be an interesting week. Um, as you mentioned, we're, we're in the run-up now, two weeks to go for the U.S. elections. Um, Brexit haggling um, is lucky to continue through the week. Um, and we're about to meet Japan's new prime minister, who, who follows from, from AB, um, pretty big shoes to fill. But I guess the market is a little bit jittery at the moment, um, predominantly around stimulus stalemate. Um, and it, it now appears to be extremely unlikely that we're going to get any sort of stimulus prior to to the elections and so markets unfortunately now just have to wait and see wait and see that's what it feels like today the volume's quite thin as well muted uh, on the jse uh what did it feel like out there today uh in in the market were there big themes locally that stood out for you yeah quite frustrating Stephen. you know to think that the market's now and I think the whole issue that is weighing the market more than the fact that we think that the guys cannot reach a stimulus package in the U.S., but for the fact that we know where it's going to be Trump or Biden, who's going to be the new president of the U.S., we are going to get a stimulus. So I think that part should have been baked into asset prices. But I think what of is more of concern now is all this when it comes to the research, when it comes to the new cases in the U.S. and also in Europe. And obviously that itself is adding to the worries about the economic outlook, you know, which looks just a little bit bleak. But I think people get to be concerned, especially when it comes to the new infections and the people putting back some of the restrictions. And not forgetting that if you check, you check the global business climate index, it slipped lower for a sixth time in six months. I mean, that itself is indicating that the recovery for Europe's largest economy could be losing some momentum. And also that ruling by the World Trade Organization, I mean, I think it might have an impact going forward, allowing the European Union to impose those tariffs of almost $4 billion in retaliation to the tariffs or maybe to the subsidies that the U.S. has been giving Boeing. Yes, the, the U.S. guys are not too happy, and probably European Union, they will wait maybe after the elections before maybe they impose those tariffs. We know at some point 
They were targeting more of what you can call political sensitive goods, your aircraft, your seafood, your agricultural products. But we hope they will wait, you know, up until after the elections. But the U.S. delegate apparently said, we hope the European Union doesn't go ahead because they still favor a, a solution which is like kind of negotiated. Mm. So all these negative things, including the elections, that we don't know what's going to be happening, is putting a serious damper when it comes to the investor sentiment. A smorgasbord of issues for investors uh, to choose from. Uh, if, you, if you're trying to paint a picture for caution and for risk off, uh, there's certainly more than enough to go around. On that US election, Stephen, Wall Street seems to believe that a Biden win would be good for markets. Uh, I am struggling to see that. You certainly can't impose uh, $3 to $4 trillion worth of tax hikes on an economy recovering from lockdowns and expect uh, things to be rosy from an earnings perspective. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I think it's probably useful to to dissect a a positive and a negative by a short, medium and long-term outcome. I think it's fair to say one one would think that the current surge in, in U.S. new cases um, and Trump's many misstatements and inaccurate forecasts as far as the pandemic um, is concerned would have sealed his fate. Biden unsurprisingly polling well ahead of Trump, although they are notoriously fickle. Um, and even Putin appears to switch sides, refuting Trump uh, yesterday. Uh, no prizes for guessing on, on how he's reading the election outcome. Um, I think on face value, Biden's policies do appear somewhat less market-friendly, um, and I'm, I'm agreeing with you on the taxes there. Um, but I suppose the real risk now is, is the split Congress um, and President and, and what that could potentially mean for future stimulus agreements, um, if it would be a headwind. I think on the, on the medium to longer term, it, it almost transcends into a, an international trade um, relation conversation. And by that measure, I, I, would, I would guess that Biden would be the kinder market candidate, a little bit more market friendly globally. Yep. Um, but it's difficult to read at this point because there's a lot of political rhetoric um, doing the rounds. You're not quite mm. sure what, what in practice will, will play out. Yeah, I think a good final point that you raised there, that uh, Biden would be much better for the multilateral global order that uh, benefits emerging markets like ourselves as well. So very, very interesting election indeed. In South Africa, Makwe, we have a very different problem in terms of some of the problems that we see in the developed world around uh, debt and over-leveraging due to uh, record low interest rates. Uh, Our cost of capital has really been inflated by sovereign risk. So it means that the real rate of return that companies have to achieve just to compete with government bonds, call it 9%, plus your equity risk premium of, of say, 5%, is 14%. And um, if you look at what you have to achieve in a developed market economy, uh, you can take the equity risk premium of 5%, add 1% on that uh, for for your bond, and you've got 6%. So it just shows you the different challenges that uh, are facing um, uh, South African investors and South African company executives. Now, to, to invest in this economy, what the South African government has got to be doing is reducing that cost of capital. And how do you do that? Well, you implement reform. So I think the mini-budget speech is going to be very closely watched from that perspective. What would you like to see from the finance minister on Wednesday? He's, he's in a very difficult situation. We know the shortfall is likely to be somewhere around 770 billion rand in terms of the deficit. What can he do? 
You know, I think what we can do, the guys have to implement whatever is there. We don't need another plan. We've just got so many plans. Then all of them, they've been making the implementation part of things. And also what we just mentioned about the cost of capital here in South Africa is very important. And we hope the government starts to consider that that whenever they make their decisions, because already we hear stories that they might be setting up the ground for us to know that come next year, February, we might see some tax increases, whether it's the wealth tax, whatever tax you want to mention, or the real estate tax, whatever it is. But, you know, in an economy like this, and going to what is happening in the U.S., the economy is struggling, you know, for right or for wrong reasons. We cannot start even thinking of implementing tax. Instead, we should be having some tax incentives to attract people not necessarily to come into the country because I guess we've got enough, enough companies in the country who've got the money to invest only if we can incentivize them so that that money which is sitting wherever it's sitting, then they can implement it into the economy. The government needs to appreciate that their role is to create an environment where businesses can do business in a proper way because the more you get government involved, then you have to make kind of tell you that that will be over-regulation. And I don't think there's any government that can afford that kind of a situation, bearing in mind that as South Africa now, we're competing with other African countries when it comes to those direct uh, foreign direct investments. And hence, you can even get companies from South Africa themselves investing into Africa, leaving us in South Africa. Look what happened with the infrastructure spent. I mean, if you look at it, happening with the construction stocks, they just tell you that they are not buying the government story that they'll be able to implement that multi-billion infrastructure plan that the guys are having. So it's up to government to prove to us that this is how we're going to be implementing all these things. And I think that will boost business confidence and also consumer confidence will fall, bearing in mind that our economy is 50% or so driven by consumer confidence. I think if I was the government, I would drive more into convincing people that this time we're implementing, instead of coming with another story or what we tend to borrow, we're planning to do the next coming few months, we had enough of that. Just implement one or two, three things, then probably things will start rolling. Michael, take the auctioning of the spectrum. That was mentioned in September 2018 when the president first mentioned the stimulus package. Up until today, nothing has been done. We know the guys have been just giving a temporary spectrum because of the lockdown. Then now that thing, we should expect that by sometime March 2021. So stuff like that, delaying, delay. Business don't have that patience because there's an opportunity cost. As a result, they'll move away and go invest their money somewhere where mm. they'll get a decent return. Bottom line, Mukwey for Finance Minister. Um, uh, can I uh, put your name forward, uh, Mukwey? Great, great summation there. And, uh, and Stephen, just to, to ask you your reflection and thoughts ahead of that all-important mini-budget. Uh, not much to add what, uh, to, to what Mukwey has already said, uh, but what would you like to see from the Finance Minister? Yeah, absolutely. I think we've all got a deep appreciation for it being an impossible budget, really. Um, rest assured, people will be burning things in anger. We just don't know if it's, if it's going to be police cars or, or passports by the wealthy. Um, revenue, we know, is going to be a shocker. Um, I don't think any surprises there. Um, public sector wages and potential taxes is definitely where the action will be. Public sector wage bill at 40% over the last 12 years, clearly unsustainable. Um, from a tax revenue to GDP, we're now 26% compared to a global average of 15. And I guess many people asking themselves whether they're getting adequate value um, for the taxes they pay. So I suppose I, I too would like a little bit of tax relief. Um, I suspect it won't come. I also don't believe that we're going to get tax increases. 
But I would expect them to start priming for a tax increase next year in some form. Yeah, that's uh, generally what they do in the mini-budget. They lay the groundwork uh, for those uh, announcements uh, in February. So that's what we'll be looking out for. And in terms of confidence, and you mentioned, Mark, consumer confidence in the fact that uh, the consumer remains 60% of the South African economy. Uh, The uh, famous brands announcement today uh, bemoaning the fact that consumer confidence is still very weak and the psychology of the South African consumer is still one of being consumed by fear because of COVID. And the biggest issue now for me in famous brands has to be that debt overhang of one and a half billion against assets that have been written off, debt to equity at five times. It looks like this company is going to be working for debt holders for some time and equity holders, well, they're going to be crying into their uh, soups or whatever, not at Tasha's, mind you. We hope we don't get the Petra Diamond story here where we end up with uh, a debt holders who own almost 91% of the company and the equity holders who are left with the balance, which is 9%. As you are saying that, you know, the company will be working to make sure that they make sure that that debt comes to at least a good level. But hey, going forward, I think that is what's more important. And I think the guys for the fact that they said no more further assistance when it comes to the government back again, I think that was positive. Them selling their controlling stake as well in Tashas, another positive as well. And also consoling to see their leading brands, you know, outperforming their signature portfolios. I mean, you are normal peers which are always doing better than you are Europa to attend and tender. And we all know because of that quick service restaurants were allowed to do some deliveries and take away. But there are losses, they continue to be widening, and it's not a good thing for the company going forward. And the guys, as we look, I mean, we've almost been the three restaurant brands. I mean, this is supposed to be one of the good companies going forward. Supposed to be, and uh, unfortunately, it looks to be another sorry tale. Astral Foods, highly cyclical business, uh, Stephen. And if you look at the major input cost here, the maize price has been going up. No surprise to see in the trading statement today that it's expecting earnings to be uh, between 12 and 17% lower uh, on the back of that. Just scrolling uh, through my screen as it uh, refreshes here to see where Astral ended up on the day. Take us through it. Yeah, so I suppose Astral, one of the one of the headwinds, as you quite rightly said, is input costs, um, and I suppose that would be fairly logical. But I would actually venture a guess as saying that anyone who doesn't follow the counter might have been um, caught off guard um, with, with the trading update that we got today, in that there was a, a fairly large performance dent um, that appears to be rooted in um, in COVID costs um, and fast food disruptions due to the lockdown. Um, as an essential service, I suppose it, it isn't intuitively obvious that those would be such significant headwinds. But the restaurant shutdown really means that, that a frozen inventory build took place um, and a build-up of inventory always puts pressure on prices, this being no exception. Um, so exceptionally hard hit this year, year-to-date down 43%, um, and it's now trading at a at a fairly attractive from a valuation perspective, um, PE of seven and a half. For Astral, that's a, a clucking good valuation for investors because we know it does tend to come storming back uh, as uh, the country's premier poultry producer. And then finally, Mike Way, Adapt IT. This is a counter that has had a storming last few weeks. And on the back of uh, these results, uh, the market still loving what it's seeing, marking it up another 3.2% on the day. Yeah, and to think that for the month, they're up almost 135%. Oh. And I think the market are buying into the story that when it comes to the education and telecoms, they're expecting that to outperform it. 
because we know because of COVID-19 that has boosted the demand for online learning and also services related to working from home. But yes, since the guys, they want to preserve care as much as they can. They opted not to pay dividends. And remember, it's not only them, but most IT companies have come to a point that they have some salary cuts and even some retrenchment. But their return on it is not impressive at 6.6%. Not impressive at all. Markwe Masilela, CIO of Markwe Fund Managers, and Stephen Schultz, CEO of Momentum Securities. The markets today had all the feel of hurry up and wait for Wednesday.